Welcome to another podcast. My partner and I, Elliot, are about to do another exciting episode of what we're doing in our police department. You know, we talk about that box and what we do into interviewing folks. Uh, we got some special guests that are going to be introducing themselves, so welcome. Absolutely. You know, we have been really focused on our recruiting through our podcast, through our media and messaging office, and on our social media accounts. One of the things we're focusing on is particularly universities that we have employees in the police department, because quite often a lot of the students don't know that we have alum right. in, our, in our department. And, and one thing that we want to do is, is start giving these um, episodes to some of the career services that we have throughout our um, police department or yes. throughout the colleges from our police department and let them know that these are what your students are doing for Chesapeake County Police Department. And it's part of that community um, unity that we're trying to work on. Right. A lot of the career services offices don't know exactly where their former students are exactly. working. And exactly. Today we're going to highlight two of these students from the University of Richmond, local, the local, local, local university. Uh, we started with Virginia State University, now we're moving to U of R. Excellent, yes. excellent, with some, some of our officers. Well, let's get started by having you all introduce yourself. We'll start with Liz first. Hey, I am Liz Caroon. I'm the Public Information Coordinator here at the Police Department. I've been here for about 10 years. Now, you are a graduate of U of R. I am, 2006 graduate of U of R. Okay, cool, cool. And you've been with us since when? Uh, 2011. 2011. Uh, Awesome, awesome. Good. And our next guest we have is, we'll let you introduce yourself. All right. Well, my name's Chris Hensley. Um, My rank is actually Lieutenant Colonel. Um, I'm also the Deputy Chief of Operations. Um, I have been here with Chesterfield Police for 33 years. And, and don't I am, we have some stories on Chris? Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm, there's plenty of stories. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, I earned my degree through the University of Richmond School of Continuing Studies mm-hmm. in 2005, so I beat Liz by just a little bit. Okay. Good, mm. good, good. And, and that's what we want to get in and showing folks that our journeys through college are different, but we also have the same goals in um, actually getting out and helping our community and um, letting the students know and, um, and officers of what we're doing with, with Chesapeake County Police Department. Now, Liz, you're one of the first or few civilian employees we've had on the podcast. Right. So we really appreciate you coming in today. Oh, yeah. How was University of Richmond for you? It was amazing. You know, I grew up always thinking I would go to another university in Virginia that we'll leave unnamed. <laughs> um, when I went to visit the University of Richmond, they just blew me away. They were attentive and interested and really got the sense that they wanted me to be there. Um, And my four years there were exactly the same. I had some amazing opportunities to take some wonderful classes with some incredible professors. I met a lot of great friends. I learned a lot. Got to go to Russia for a week. Not everybody gets to do that. Um, So yeah, it was an incredible experience. I took a lot away from it. Now, what, what did you major in? Um, mi- major, minor, double major? Yeah, I majored in journalism um, because I love, uh, absolutely love telling stories, but I'm not creative enough to make them up. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> nonfiction stories are what I'm best at, um, and I minored in English and Russian. Okay. Oh, well, wow. Let's back up a little bit. It's getting here to the Chesapeake County, please. Give me your, your, um, your, your, your journey, pretty much. Right. So I graduated college in 2006 and went to work at a daily newspaper in uh, northwest Virginia, the Northern Virginia Daily, so out in the Shenandoah Valley. And while I was working there, I met my husband, um, who at the time was living in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, He had no interest in moving to the Shenandoah Valley. (laughs) I had no interest in moving to Culpeper. My parents lived here in Chesterfield. So I came down to work at the Village News, which if you live Mm -hmm. in Chesterfield, you're probably familiar with the Chester Village News. 
Um, and while I was working there, I saw this position um, come open. And I, um, I began my career at the first paper I was at doing night cops reporting. So I had worked pretty closely with law enforcement for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and when I saw this come open, I just thought, you know what? I, I bet I could do that. I bet I could do that and um, help that communication grow between okay. the police department and the community. Okay. So now what do you do for us and if, if your role is to give stories about the police department, um, bond, bond with the, the medias that we have, not only in Chesterfield, but uh, throughout the metropolitan area. So what are you doing for the police department? So I uh, respond to all of our media inquiries. They come in through me, and I either get them where they need to go or respond directly to them. Uh, so I'm able to run that interference, but also able to answer a lot of questions about how things work and point them in the right direction. Because it's very natural, a lot of reporters... Uh, think the chief is going to answer every question. Okay. Well, the chief yeah. is lots of things, and he's fantastic, but he's not omniscient, so he's not necessarily the subject matter expert. So getting people where they need to go and building those relationships so we Good. build that trust, right? So they know that, you know, when Liz says something, it means something. And we've worked together for so long. Um, we have a lot of trust built up, and we've got a really excellent reputation in the region for mm -hmm. giving people what they need uh, when they need it. Good. Excellent. And Colonel Hensley. You did not do the traditional route at the time. Now it is really traditional going through the School of Continuing Studies. What was your path to the University of Richmond? How was that experience? It was a long path. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I took the same path to get okay, my degree, yeah, so I get no, it. No, I was one of those guys that uh, got out of high school. Game plan was to go to college. I actually went to Longwood University um, for a year. I had a great time. I learned a lot. Just didn't do that well in school. So... Uh, I ended up thinking school wasn't for me per se at that point in time. Of course, like most young men, I got bit by the love bug early on. Mm -hmm. So uh, my mm -hmm. priorities were switching. I was always geared toward military. Um, even when I went to Longwood, I was in the ROTC program. So I had that military mindset. But then uh, I shifted back, uh, moved back home like most after a hard year of college and then uh, started going to night school mm -hmm. with VCU. Um, and that, uh, and then basically going to night school VCU, I worked for the county, uh, actually for the school board warehouse division. I was a trucker's helper back in the okay. day. Mm -hmm. But uh, then I transitioned. I saw the openings for uh, police department. I'd met some applicants. Um, actually, goes back to the old days of Mike Heinzelman. Oh, he yeah. actually stayed oh, yeah. with some relatives of uh, of mine, and I was like, it kind of sparked the interest. For some reason, I had not thought about law enforcement, but there's a direct correlation with the military piece there, mm -hmm. right? So um, ended up uh, uh, at age 21 applying to be a police officer. I was hired. I turned 22 uh, and then was working April 11th, 1988. I was hired to be a police officer. So as part of the school story continues, um, Chesterfield did an outstanding job of always promoting education, pushing mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. I was here for several years, uh, for 13 years before I got into supervision. And then actually it goes back to Colonel Carl Baker. He was a big, a big influencer oh, for education. continuing exactly. your education. Yes, he was. Exactly. He was. And um, so we actually had a program where we were linked up with the University of Richmond. So uh, I got on board with that. Um, they did, I mean, outstanding experience. They ended up, you know, taking our credits from my, my credits from mm -hmm. Longwood, from mm -hmm. VCU, uh, put a packet together and then looked at it. I knew it was going to be tough. Um, it was going to cost some money. They had some grant opportunities out there. The county has their support. Mm -hmm. and like I said, I really owe the, the county a debt of gratitude for uh, 
making that available and working with schedules and allowing us to go through. So bottom line, I did that for two and a half years, going to night classes and some weekend classes, and, uh, and then got my degree in human resource management in uh, 2005 with a minor in leadership. Mm -hmm. It was the perfect matchup right, for exactly. the position I'm in. And actually, it was a point in time where I was just turning, I guess, 40, so I'm 55 now. It was a great influence in my life at that point, um, exposure to that type of education, and had no idea that I would uh, love art history class the most. So uh, right. it, was, it was things you don't know, right, till right. you go back, if you get that mindset of uh, continuing to learn all the time and push forward. So it was a great, great experience for me, and I, I can't thank the county enough for their support as I went through that. So And with, <clears throat> excuse me, with your degree, you went from jurisdiction to jurisdiction to jurisdiction or were you did you go to class in one location at our training academy or were you a part of the program where you went to two other jurisdictions like another jurisdiction each semester yes i had classes in henrico classes in richmond and classes in chesterfield throughout that two and a half year program so, so. added to the element of being an adult learner right. back to school you still had to manage family manage schedules and then drive right Oh yeah, yeah, no, it was it was one of the toughest decisions um, for our family because I have a son and a daughter, and they were young at that time. I had a wife that's a, a school teacher, so juggling schedules and going through. But I actually search, always try to find the positive. And as I was going through that process, I felt like my kids saw me as a exactly. dad's working that's hard, dad's yep. writing papers, you know. And then it was one of those things as a as a parent, you know, how do you how do you push your kids when you you know, you know, you didn't achieve it that first go around yourself. So, but yeah. I did learn to appreciate, you know, those opportunities and finding my own way to get it done. So. Mm, excellent. Now, also, most of our listeners probably don't realize that during that time you were still very active on the SWAT team. Oh yeah, no, I was active on the SWAT team um, and uh, also uh, vice narcotics supervision. So I was very much used to a fluid schedule on call for a lot. Yeah, I've left uh, classes. Um, to go to calls <laughs> <laughs> and then you turn around and, you know, and, and the instructor, like I said, University of Richmond, their staff and, and instructors were outstanding. Yeah. They worked with us. They understood that we were, you know, tied into the community at different levels as far right. as our police work goes. So. Right. But if, if you look back at that now with the partnership, and we always talk about the partnership with our community, what the police department is doing, we wanted to reflect um, our police department, reflect the community. We had a great partnership with a lot of um, companies at the time that were supporting this program. Right. Uh, I know we, one of my friends um, worked for a company, and I won't give the name of the company, but they were like, you know, we met some of your police officers and given donations to continue our education um, with U of R, which was a great uh, partnership in our community. So that, that, again, that's the stuff that we want to continue to talk about that is not just the police department against the community, it's a whole we come in as a unity, um, united, I should say. Uh, but I, let's go over your history. I, I want to talk about some of your, um, what got you to be the lieutenant colonel of Chesterfield County Police Department. I mean, we talk about when we recruit, you're a patrol officer, you go through the academy, you went in 88, I went in 88. Uh, I think you were in, what, 15 basic? 15 basic. And I was in 16 basic, so we, you know, we, we do are familiar with that. I didn't even but, realize I had an actual academy for so. 
we did have a, a the church that we, that we went to. Uh, but go over your, your, your history with the police department. I'm going to do the same thing with Liz, if we don't mind, because I want the kids, when we send this to the universities, to know that you're a patrol officer, you go into investigation, you can become a supervisor. Um, you supervise people as a civilian. Um, probably Ellie and I, um, you probably supervise us as well. Yeah, I'm all But But I, I want to go through that part of, of, so the kids, when we talk to them, we can say, here's your path. There's a path that you can take to be a lieutenant colonel for Chesapeake County Police Department. Okay, well, I mean, like I said, you never can give up. I wasn't the most, as I talked about my first college experience, I wasn't that mature. So some people, and it took me some time. Um, when I became a police officer, to be honest, I just wanted to be a police officer. And then, like most people, I ended up being a police officer, working evenings, midnights, for the first, I guess it was five and a half years. And I ended up seeing a unit at that time, it was called the Anti-Crime Task Force. Now it's our Tactical Investigations mm -hmm. um, Unit. Uh, when I saw the work they did and what they were involved in, I, that became my next goal. So I've always looked at things one step at a time. So, and then after that time, I switched over. I was a, a vice narcotics detective for a short period of time. And then I made the decision to get into supervision and that was after, like I said, 13 years of being a road officer, a detective. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had something to give back. I go into supervision, and um, and then I learned more about myself and that I needed to constantly be improving. And that's when I ended up at the University of Richmond, took that opportunity right. and ran with it. But like I said, I will tell you, the education piece will open your mind in different ways. And that's where I adopted a philosophy throughout my career that I will always do the best I can. Mm -hmm. I will put in for, um, especially for supervision, I told myself I'll always put in for the next step. And um, and if the county needs me, they will ask me to step forward. I never looked at it as a personal, they didn't pick me because of, what, right. you know what exactly. I mean? Like, exactly. That's good attitude. And, yeah, yes. and I had, yes. and, and people, I think sometimes they lose sight. If you get in that competition mindset or so forth, you're gonna be disappointed. I didn't see it that way. If they needed me, they'd ask me to come forward. Right. And, and like I said, most people, I've had to put in for at least, you know, everything, at least uh, twice. Twice, exactly. Except exactly. for the lieutenant colonel, the deputy chief position. It was kind of interesting. But I even went through the, as y'all know, the chief's process mm -hmm. back then. I felt like it was my duty to be, to offer my, you know, the county had been so good to me right. for so long. And and I'm I'm a, a creation of theirs in so many ways. Right, so, right. But uh, that's kind of how, you know, the philosophy adopted, and that's kind of where I'm at. So, And we'll talk about it uh, once we get into the family part of it and his wife and my daughter yeah. relationship, which is um, fascinating, and, uh, and I love that part. But, ladies, if you would go through some of your, again, you're, you're in charge of our media um, part of our police department. You're a civilian. And, and how many people work for you or work under you that you supervise? Uh, right now, I get to lead a team of four absolutely incredible people, including our two um, producers of this podcast. Mm -hmm. But when I started 10 years ago, um, it was just me. We were a media team of one. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> my first supervisor was this guy right across the table, um, then Captain Hensley. What were you, the commander of Homeland Security? Homeland Security. Oh, wow. Yes. And it made complete sense for you to be supervising <laughs> the public information coordinator. Um, but um, we got into that, uh, did a lot of stuff right out of the gate. We had set up, um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, The Zone and PD Express, some internal mm -hmm. communication oh, yeah. oh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, spent a lot of time on that. 
And um, then at the time, Lieutenant Colonel Ben Mize asked mm -hmm. me a couple years in, what do we need to do Facebook? I said, we need a person. And we were blessed to get uh, Corporal Thomas, who mm -hmm. is our absolutely outstanding social media coordinator. And we just grew from there. Um, Chris joined us to do uh, video production. Uh, we hired an internal communication specialist who reports to me. Um, and then about six months ago, uh, the colonel decided that he wanted to move us from the bureau we were in up to Office of the Chief. So that's when I started leading um, this group kind of formally. Good. Um, so, yeah. And you have a lot of external contacts as well with the, not only the media, with the business community, a bunch of nonprofits. And mm -hmm. you're involved in all aspects of the police department, which is good. And I don't think every police department allows civilians right. to be in your position. They always feel like it needs to be a uniform person. Mm -hmm. But I think our philosophy has been we need a PR professional. We need a person who has media and journalism experience to be able to do with it. It's not something you get promoted and then all of a sudden you know how to do. You have to have ongoing relationships. Right. And I think I think there's value in having someone in the spot that's going to be there for a while. The mm -hmm. struggle that you have... Um, not to take anything away from sworn PIOs because they do an outstanding job, but if it's a sergeant or a lieutenant or even a captain, they're going to get rotated out in right. a couple years. Right. Whereas I'm here, I've been here for 10 years, have no intention of going anywhere. Sorry, y'all. Um, <laughs> you know, but I have those relationships established and have the context and the history. And I'm very blessed here at this organization because I also have the access. Right. Um, I have never had an issue getting information um, from the sworn members of our department. I'm practically embedded in investigations. I'm up there all the time. I'm in their meetings. Um, and that's not necessarily the case everywhere. Right. Um, so I'm very fortunate to have that. But I think the department recognizes that there's value in having someone with that experience because I can, you know, explain to members of the media where we're coming from, but right. I can also explain to members of our department where members of the media are coming from. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember days where no one was happy right. with exactly. me. Um, but we were able to find a solution that got the information out to the public, and we were able to have that level of understanding that we needed of where everyone was coming from. Right, Good. right. And that's, that's, that's a part of the partnership. That's a part of the growing process that... The department has gotten into about transparency and mm -hmm. also exactly. sharing, th sharing information about the department on social media. Absolutely. And, uh, I really like what we've done with the media messaging office. I think right. it's important that you have that direct line to our executive staff and, mm -hmm. and also work internally in the police department. Exactly. When, when you were at the University of Richmond, were you involved in any student groups that have benefited you here or... Yeah. Student life like? Yeah, I was um, involved in the Honor Council which was uh, the group of students, the honor code at UR is student-created, student-administered. Um, and I was involved in that, and that was a great experience. Um, just learning, um, you know, that everybody has a story um, and learning a lot of that empathy because often we encountered students who were having um, very difficult times. And, for example, if it was a student that had cheated or plagiarized, you know, that wasn't necessarily – like they weren't proud of that action. Right, right. Um, so having empathy for where they were coming from because in your role um, – you could be either an advocate for the prosecution, so to speak, or for that student. Um, so that was a great experience just working with people. Um, I was in the Baptist Student Union, which was a fantastic group. I got to meet some great kids and go on some service trips. Um, we went and did construction ministry post-Katrina, which was a, just a fantastic experience. Also went through a wall down there, so that was an interesting uh, interesting uh, experience there. But wait, um, wait a minute. What do you mean you went through a wall? I was helping tear out sheetrock. 
Okay. With members. <laughs> Forgive me if I laugh before I even know what's going on. Yeah, no, with members of a um, rugby team from another university. And <laughs> here we go. They this were. This going to end well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They were putting holes in the wall, and they said, Liz, why don't you put a hole in the wall? So I attempted, and I failed. So I backed up three steps and said, I'm, I'm going to do this, and went through the wall Come and on. really frightened another young student on the other side of that wall when I <laughs> went through into that closet. I said, hi, I'm Liz. Nice to meet you. <laughs> um, but That's anyway. a great U of R experience. Oh, it was wonderful. It was <laughs> absolutely, I mean, I met some amazing people on that trip. And the best part of that day, though, because uh, we worked in that house for a few days, um, was seeing the um, members of the family when they got to come in right. and see that their house was starting to turn into mm -hmm. a house again. Mm -hmm. um, that was incredible. Wow. Um, but also, um, probably the biggest influence on me was working on the newspaper at UR. The so, Collegian. yeah, in the on the Collegian, um, we did. Um, I was a reporter for a while, and then I was the head copy editor uh, one year. So, got to lead a team of copy editors. But, you know, learning how to do um, constructive peer edits and work with people to make their writing better was a huge, um, a huge part. Just learning how to talk with people with people and guide them in a kind of gentle and empathetic kind of way right. um, has been very useful throughout Good. my life and my career. Good. Now how, now, how do you get to the point where you separate what you're doing for the police department mm -hmm. and your family? That, that's the part that we, we don't think about that often. I know I didn't as law enforcement, but uh, again, getting with some Christian brothers, um, my church, um, leaving things at the office um, because, again, working in some of the areas that, that I worked in, homicides and, and other areas, you don't want to be taken at home. So what do you do now to decompress, I, I would say? So I absolutely love to make things. Um, I bake, so I'll make muffins or cakes or that kind of thing. I will cross-stitch. I will knit. I, will, I got really into decoupage about um, a year ago when the pandemic really started um, rolling. And I just really find it therapeutic to take mm -hmm. that stress and put it into something else that I can then, you know, give away right. or anything. Turn that negative into a positive, Good. right? Because everybody loves muffins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True, know? true. So, LT, LT. Uh oh, here, here we go. And Family. the reason we ask this is because one of our department's initiatives has been physical fitness and wellness. Right, exactly. And we know that stress is a, is a major thing both for our civilian employees as a, and our sworn employees. So Daryl and I always like to have that component as a part of the podcast. Exactly. So how do you deal with stress when you're not at work? Or how do you, yeah. how and, do you and deal with and, and again, how do you put your family into, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay for me to be this. Or okay, I got called out. I'm going to be okay. I got support in, with the police department. So, Lieutenant Colonel, what do, what do you do? Should I ask that? <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. No, I think it's very important. I know, obviously speak to different groups on how we manage stress in law enforcement. And of course, we have a great, you know, health and wellness program now. Because back in the day, and you right. were here, and yep. Elliot was here also, it was, you know, a lot of the mentality was, you know, suck it up, buttercup. It's kind of that, that yes. mentality. Yep. Um, and, but we learned that, that there's an impact. We don't, know sometimes the price we're paying in this line of work. I mean, I always describe, especially to uh, the new graduates at the academy, you know, we always have a file cabinet in our head, right, of things that we've seen that you can't not see. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's a management system. For me, um, fortunately, early on, I adopted physical fitness um, as part of a code of my existence because it, it, it's so important 
to your health and well-being. Um, but as I've gotten older, that's been more that's been more difficult to do. But my my it basically involves physical, mental, emotional well-being, and you have to you have to uh, you have to do things. Work out, and then you have to be a continuous uh, learner. Right. In my mindset, I've always taught uh, and thought that uh, um, telling people to to make sure that to me that one ounce of strength or endurance or that one piece of knowledge that you could have learned can be the difference right. between your safety and others out on the street. So uh, going through that, and then from the emotional standpoint, we all have those things we do, fishing, hunting, and then like I said, the physical fitness piece, some people it's for running or creating stuff like Liz said, or uh, or just hanging out on your, your back porch and, and decompressing over a cold beverage. You didn't um, say golf though, we, we, we're golfers now. Oh yes, well, uh, well you are, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the wannabe category. I do enjoy that, there's a, there's a fun being out uh, you know, on the golf course, I'll take some grief from some of uh, the shooters in the department for saying that, but, uh, it, to me, I draw a parallel between that too because I, I spent time on the long gun, obviously, with the department for a while. Right. So there's something about that accuracy, and precision, <laughs> exactly. that good exactly. feeling when you when you do what you you you're training to do. So uh, um, it's good. But no, I, I think adopting that comprehensive kind of holistic lifestyle that's mm-hmm. all about health and your your mental well being is is a good way to go. Right, and I think both of you all have been supported by your families. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've had. Uh, you know, the wife and the kid. I mean, now they've learned to deal with sure. the on-call piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like I'll say, I'll go back. I know people struggle with the family. And we are all wired toward family first. Mm-hmm. But I'll always say this, too. You're setting an example for your family and your children. And when you're willing to give your time, you know, my kids knew that if I missed a birthday or I was gone on Christmas, um, they knew dad was out doing something for, for the, the better community. good. Exactly. Right. So, exactly. And we exactly. emphasize that. So it was seen as a service component, yep. not, yes. as a, not as a negative, negative. Exactly. from that. So. Yep. Partner, I, I mean, again, another, another great podcast. Uh, we got some great guests. Uh, anything final statements you want to make or we need to? Um, I would just say that one of the biggest things I picked up from my UR experience was I really did get a lifetime love of learning and realizing that you don't know what you don't know. And there's always another book to read. There's always another person to talk to. Um, So just taking every day as an opportunity to learn and and thinking of every person as you encounter as someone who can teach you something. Exactly. Um, Exactly. That's that's huge. Um, Are you still involved with the University of Richmond outside of basketball games, football games, and writing checks to the Alumni Association? Hopefully, you're supporting the university. I try to stay in touch with some of my professors when I can. Okay. Um, obviously, it's been a little bit wonky um, with the pandemic, but I right. have been back a couple times to visit uh, mm-hmm. journalism classes to talk to them, and I'd love oh, to go good. back. What I'd love to do is go back. We've got a longtime uh, reporter in the area, and I'd love to go with him as a duo um, and kind of give both sides of that perspective. Because part of what I try to do is model what a public information coordinator should be. Because mm-hmm. um, they're not all super, super helpful, which is, that's literally your entire job. Right, so. right. Well, we appreciate both of you coming on today. And I think it's been an interesting podcast, an excellent um, example of two University of Richmond students who are doing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, right yeah. here locally. And uh, we appreciate your time. Partner, you want to talk briefly about um, what's coming up next? 
Well, what's coming up next is we have another academy that's starting sometime oh. soon. So we would <laughs> we do. like we do. to let our listeners know if you're interested in employment with Chesterfield County Police as a police officer, a public service police service aid, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, mm-hmm. as well as our emergency communications. You can check us out on our website at chestfulpd.com. That's chestfulpd.com. You can follow us on social media and listen to this podcast on all of your social media accounts. We appreciate y'all listening, and we will be back for another episode soon. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much.